Hey, everybody. This is Joe McCall, the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. This is part two of an exciting series. Well, exciting in a certain way. Some some of you guys, it's painful. Um, and, and we're on a series right now called Deals Gone Bad. And I posted this uh, the, just the other day. I just had this harebrained idea. Let's do this podcast series called Deals Gone Bad. And I posted it on a Facebooks and I said, hey, is anybody interested in sharing their bad story of deals gone bad? And a ton of people said, yeah, I'd love to share. A lot of people said this is a great idea. And um, so I thought, this. let's do this. Let's just interview people who have had bad deals. And guess what? We've all had bad deals, right? And if you haven't had a bad deal yet, you've not been in the business long enough. Um, so sometimes I, somebody said once, smart people learn from their mistakes wise people learn from the mistakes of others. And so Vamsi is a special guest that I have today coming from Florida on today's podcast. And he's going to be talking about some deals that he had that turned bad, um, but he's learned a lot from them. And here's the great thing about this, guys. Many times we learn more from our mistakes and bad deals than we learn from the good deals, right? And if you take advice from somebody who's only been doing deals from the last five years, you got to be careful. Take a little bit of grain of salt uh, with the advice that you get, because like in the last five, seven, eight years, it's been almost impossible, not impossible, but, but it's been hard to lose money because the market has been so strong. Um, so I love hearing advice from people that have rebounded, people that have hit the bottom and then bounced back up, people that have made a bad mistake or bought a bad deal, but bounced back and recovered from it, didn't quit, didn't give up. And so I feel like you guys, we're all going to learn more some, in some ways from the, the deals that gone bad than the deals that gone good. There's so many people out there sharing the big checks and the Lambos and the, the, the mansions and all of the success and the money. And, the, you know, the, and that's awesome. And it's exciting to talk, talk about. And I'm glad people do talk about that. But nobody's talking about the bad deals. So in this series, we're going to be talking about deals gone bad. And uh, I'm doing a, as we go through this, um, I'm recording these podcasts. They're being released at the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. If you've not um, subscribed to the podcast, what's going on? I release two or three episodes a week at the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. So if you're watching this on the YouTubes, go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or TuneIn Radio, wherever, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, download the podcast, subscribe to it, leave us a review. Let me know that you like the show, what you like about it. Let me know if you like this series here. I'd really appreciate it. Um, and uh, uh, so YouTube, I got a YouTube channel. Do you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel yet? Go to YouTube, subscribe, just do a search for Joe McCall. We release about two or three episodes, videos a week. And uh, this podcast right now, as I'm recording it, is being broadcast live on YouTube and Facebook. So if you're watching this in YouTube and Facebook, hello, what's going on? Hey, um, and we can see your comments live. So don't say anything mean. <laughs> Type nice stuff in the comments. Say hello, and I'd love to give you a shout out and say hi. And if you have questions, let us know. Like Mark, Mark Davis, what's going on, brother? Good stuff, he says. So um, if you've got comments like that, tell us hello. Tell us where you're from here in the um in the podcast on YouTube or Facebook, type in some comments down below. All right. One more final announcement thing here before we bring our friend Vamsi on. Um, I've been keeping notes uh, for, from these podcasts. I've been trying to keep notes in a mind map. And then my assistant comes afterwards and listens to the recording and 
adds to my notes because it's hard for me to take notes while I'm talking uh, to my guests. So if you want the mind map or the notes from these podcast series, uh, text the word bad to 313131. Again, text the word bad. I don't know why I picked that word to 313131. Or you can go to joemccall.com slash bad. And we will uh, forward you a link to view the mind map and the notes. I'm thinking about turning these uh, this podcast series into a book or something like that. Because I think it'll be really helpful for you all to see lessons learned. Lessons learned from uh, things like this. Okay. So again, text the word bad to 313131 to get the notes uh, from all of these podcast series. I already have like 20 or 25 of these lined up. So uh, I'm excited about this. Um, or go to joemccall.com slash bad. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's bring Vamsi on. Vamsi from Florida. How are you, sir? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Nice. Good. Very good. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being on, and uh, you were one of the first that raised their hands in my Facebook feed and said, yeah, I'll talk about my deals, and uh, I appreciate that. I really do. You're in Florida right now, right? Right, yeah. And uh, how long have you been doing real estate? Uh, I started with real estate in 2017, December. That was my very first investment into real estate. Okay, 2017 in December. And um, do you do real estate full-time, or do you have a job? Or uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually an IT consultant. And I was doing it part-time, but right now I'm out of a project, so I'm doing it full-time. If I find a project, I might take it again part-time, try to go back and forth between full-time and part-time. But my goal is to be in it full-time. Nice. Good. What got you interested in real estate? Uh, so what happened was, okay, it's a funny story. So I'm a consultant, and I make an hourly wage. And, uh, you know, as a consultant, you know that you, there are times where you don't have a project and you have no income. So what I did was I said, okay, let me just make as much money as I can in the next six years, have a, a sizable amount of saving, and then take up a full-time job, and then just have fun, stay local, be with my kid and my wife. Uh, but after that, I bought a Tesla, and I realized that, it, I mean, I, my initial goal was make up 1.5 million, pay 30% taxes, have that 1 million cushion, and then I can live the rest of my life happily. That one Tesla took me down by a $100,000. And that's when I realized, you know, that's a very bad game plan. And that's when I started educating myself, Red Reach Dad, Poor Dad, which is really one of the very first books which got me excited about, you know, investing in real estate. And then I joined his, uh, what do you say? His, I subscribed to his channel. I learned a lot about real estate and then I got in very interested. And then I joined a lot of other podcasts, which sparked my interest in real estate. Nice. And who, what's, who's your favorite podcast? Uh, so my favorite podcast, obviously, is from uh, Wholesaling Inc., Tom Kroll, Cody uh, Hoffine, Brent Daniels. That, yeah, that's a great group. podcast. And, and is Real Estate Investing Mastery on the list? Real Estate Mastering, it is on the list. So oh, right good. now, I'm subscribed to your channel. I'm actually a student of yours, too. I've joined, I've joined the Lease Simple Lease Option Program. Nice. Good. Probably in June or May of this year. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to use your strategy to dispo uh, the three rentals I'm going to talk about. Nice, nice, good. Okay, thanks for the kind words there. But and yeah, by the way, Tom Kroll's podcast um, and Cody Hoffine's podcast is really, really good. Called Wholesaling Inc. You guys should go check that. Out. I was just texting Todd yesterday, or Tom. I was just texting Tom yesterday, asking him how he was doing. Okay, so um, you've got some. You bought some deals in Indiana, Indianapolis. Indiana. Okay. Yeah. So talk about what happened there. And by the way, uh, I'm sorry if you see me like looking down and typing. I'm typing notes. 
Um, so I, I know it looks rude because it looks like I'm not listening, but I apologize. But go ahead. You you bought some. How'd you find these deals or this person that sold these deals in Indianapolis? Sure. And, uh, you know, just to respect everybody's uh, interests here, I'm not going to mention any names, any companies or anything. I'm just going to tell that, uh, I, you know, I subscribe to the channel and I was learning a lot, consuming a lot of real estate material, learning about how do you run rem numbers on rental properties. So I, I felt it like an obligation that, hey, this person is giving me free knowledge. I should invest in rental properties because he's trying to help other people, you know, build real estate investments. So which is why I went into uh, this turnkey company and then bought rentals. So we started with three, you know, I, I had like uh, three other partners with me. So we were four people, which actually gave the confidence that, hey, let's just invest. These are cheaper properties, like 45,000 a piece. You know, so all my investment is probably going to be around 45,000 and, you know, worst comes worse, uh, it'll be a learning experience. That was what our thought process was when we started. But once we got into it, we were in a hell of a ride because we were promised um, finished properties at 45,000. We were promised that we'd be getting a completely done property. And then uh, all we have to do is collect rental checked every single month. So we were in this dreamland. We were thinking, OK, let's buy 50 of these, 100 of these get that $200 a check. So $200 per property after all expenses, you know, on a hundred properties, you make $20,000 so we can just relax, sit down each of us and pay off our expenses and life is going to be good. Oh boy, we are so wrong. Okay. So these were, um, uh, those of you who don't know what turnkey is, a turnkey uh, is a, is a term that people sell properties turnkey, which means it's, rehabbed, ready to go. It's rented. Sometimes they'll even offer to manage it for you. Sometimes they'll even guarantee the rents for the first year. It won't be any repairs. So the it, different turnkey providers offer different kinds of rental properties. So Vomsi is in Florida. You have some partners with you. How many partners did you bring on? I had my brother and two other friends. So we brother are and, two, and so um, did you pay cash for these deals? Yes. Okay. I'll cash for all and, and these were, you bought these for about 40, $45,000 each. Well, the first one was 43, but the next two were 45. Okay. So let's just round it up to 45 a piece. And we said, okay, we're four of us. We can take it down, you know, learn from this experience. Okay. And so you bought about three of these, right? We bought three of these. And then I got tempted because they were so cheap and we thought we we're going to make so much money. So I talked my wife into buying one property oh, no. <laughs> and the, the way we did that is we took uh, money from her 401k account so she could take up to 50k. So her property was 45. So we took cashed out of her 401k and bought another property. So that's why I set a package of four properties. Okay. So you bought a package of four. Right. Um, and they told you that these properties would be rehabbed. Rehab, rent ready, have a tenant in place. And all we had to do was just wait for three months for the rehab and everything to be finished and start collecting those rental checks, those mailbox money. Okay. All right. Well, um, I think some of you already know what's going to happen next. Um, how long did it take you? Well, what happened next? You just put it in your own words. Bob. So what happened was, like I said, December 17th was when we really paid the money for these properties and we are hoping to get them re rent ready in 90 days. Which so was, was I'm sorry. Was this December 2018? 2017. 2017. Okay. 17. And we were promised that it'll be rent ready by within 90 days. So in March, we said, hey, let's just drive up. So I drove from here all the way to uh, Columbus, where my brother lives. It's three hours from Indianapolis. So we drove to the property and we it was a horror story. 
Two of the properties had squatters. One of the property did not have any rehabs done. One and one of the property was being rehabbed. So I think we we sensed that something was wrong. So we went back to the turnkey company. We were we actually bought four properties ourselves and one with my wife. We were able to successfully sell one property back to this company. So that's why it's we are left we are left with three properties. We are so lucky that we were able to get rid of that one property. Yeah. But unfortunately, someone else got screwed because they took the property back and sold it to someone else. Okay. Um, wh wh what kind of neighborhoods were these properties in? Oh, if you if you look at the neighborhoods A, B, C, and D, with D being you know like tough, rough areas, this was in D areas, but they were advertised as C areas, blue collar areas. But they were lower income areas, more crime, more vandalism. So one of our property got vandalized. All sorts of things. Okay, and. Um, what were they renting for? That you bought oh, them for about forty-five. What were they renting for? They were renting for seven hundred. Seven hundred a month. Right. That, so they were little two-bedroom, three-bedroom houses. That's right. Yeah, two-bedroom, three-bedroom. That's it. Not more. Okay, renting for seven hundred. Um, so then, what did you do? Like a few months later, you're there in Indianapolis. You're looking at these homes, and they're not finished. They're they're in really bad neighborhoods. Right. What did so, you do? So this whole, what happened was this whole uh, thing just blew apart and the turnkey company ran into trouble. They were getting lots, lots of lawsuits filed. So we, on the other hand, we thought, you know, filing, fighting with them, getting a lawsuit filed is not going to get us anything. Let's just take these properties ourselves. Let's, um, let's rehab that ourselves and put it as a rental. Uh, because if we were to sell them as is at that point, the best offer we got on those properties were like 12,000 or 13,000 from wholesalers, obviously investors because they had to put in another 20,000 they have to buy it right we just because we screwed it up and we bought it wrong we can't expect someone else to screw it up so the offers they were giving were legitimate offers and it was kind of painful for us because we know that we can't let them go for 12,000 because that means we're going to take $30,000 hit per property so we're going to lose 100,000 or 90,000 right away yeah so we said okay let's just put let's just get uh, uh, you know a property management company involved so we worked with the property management company that was another painful experience because the property management big company we worked with told us that they will rehab they'll manage all the rehab all they will do is charge us 10 percent for managing the rehab and they were very sweet they have they were very nice at first so we believed it and we went ahead with them another horror story three months still three to four months they were still not doing any work they were getting all these bits high bits of course and uh, we still we paid more money to get them rehab but in the end when we saw no progress was being made we had to fire them and go to another property manager and this guy did a great job he's he's awesome you know he's not cheap he's market value but he's honest and he got the work done which is what really matters in the end so how many months till you finally got him rehabbed and ready to rent so we got into the fiasco in march when we knew knew that it's a pain and then between March and November, we were struggling between property managers trying to get it done. In November, we got so tired, we fired the property manager and hired another property manager. And it took him just two months to get it ready. So by December, all the properties were ready. And by Jan, they were rented out. So almost a year. Oh, yeah. A little over a year, you oh, finally yeah. got them rehabbed and rented. About how much did you spend on average in rehab for each property? Uh, per property, we went up, no. You know, discounting the first property manager, I think we spent like eight thousand on them for all properties, or nine thousand on them for, I would say ten thousand on two properties. It's still very vague what happened with the other property manager, but the next property manager who came in, I know for sure that we spent anywhere from fifteen to eighteen thousand per property, 
So at this point, we are all in at thousand per property. Yeah. So it looks like we are all in at sixty to sixty thousand, sixty-three thousand dollars per property. That's wow. where we stand right now. So you're okay. Jeez. Um, and if you were to sell now, now they're are they rented right now? So what? That's another horror story. That's another learning experience because of the area. Yeah. So it's horror story after horror story, which is why I thought you know, let me raise my hand and warn other investors getting in, especially people okay. who are in IT who have no understanding of real estate. Stay away from big dreams. Learn first and then get it. So my learning experience from this rental was that they were renting for seven hundred, but these tenants were just beating up those properties real bad, and we had to evict some tenants. In the end. All the money we made from rentals were going back on the rehab of these rentals. So we are making no money on these. So we listed two of the properties for sale on the MLS with the realtor. And uh, so the conundrum here is we are in a spot where the area, they're invest investor friendly areas. So investors want to lowball us. They want to give us 50,000 or 45,000, which makes sense because they have to buy low and sell high to make a profit. And we can't sell for that low because you know we we are at sixty. We want to at least we don't want to lose much. We want to maybe lose a thousand dollar per person. So we are ready to sell it like five with a five thousand dollar loss per property instead of thirty thousand dollar loss, which we would have sold it for initially. Uh, so we you know that's the problem. And the homeowners who come in there, they don't have the cash to buy the property. They don't have the money to buy the property with a bank loan because uh, not many people are getting loans which is why now that I joined your program, I'm gonna use your strategy of lease options. I'm gonna take your course, learn all the disposition strategies and then list them on Craigslist, Facebook, just get that option payment and then have a lease option tenant. You know, you might consider um, for, for properties that are under $100,000 in the D neighborhoods, mm -hmm. I would suggest instead, maybe instead of a lease option, do owner financing. Okay. And I can help you with that offline here, but um, I, I would suggest looking at owner financing instead. Sure. Uh, typically for the cheaper properties, I don't like doing lease options. I don't want a tenant in there um, for obvious reasons, as you know, I mean, you just, you don't have very good tenants in those areas, unfortunately. Right. But if you can get a, an owner in the house, mm -hmm. sell it with owner financing um, and, and, and it could be long-term. You know, you could sell it for, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't ch charge a ton of interest. I would maybe charge, like if it rents for $700 a month, come up with an interest rate that gives this the buyer after their PITI, principal interest taxes and insurance, they're paying about the same, $700, $750 a month. So maybe that's 5% interest or something fair. Okay. Um, but you could sell it on owner financing. Then you can be the bank now instead of the landlord, right? Because even on a lease option, you you kind of technically they're responsible for minor maintenance and repairs, which is better than a rental. But again, in my experience on the cheaper low end properties, I think you're going to find a better occupant, a, you know, a, a better um, person in the house if they own it instead, right? Okay. And um, that I mean, that's just my opinion. Now, uh, if you sell it with owner financing, you know you're gonna you don't want to give them a balloon. There's Dodd Frank issues. You need to make sure you're working with a um, a good uh, licensed loan originator, mortgage broker, licensed mortgage broker, whatever that can help you set it up. But um, you know that that way you you'll still get the same cash flow. <clears throat> 
but less management needed, less because you're not going to be responsible for any repairs or maintenance because you're selling it with owner financing to a, a buyer. Does that make sense? Right. Like you would never call Bank of America to ask them to fix the toilet. Right. So you can now be the bank instead. And you're giving you're you're selling it at a fair price, right? You're yeah. not charging an exorbitant interest rate. You're just charging five, six percent interest, but whatever an interest rate would work out to be where they're paying insurance and taxes. You have to make sure that they're getting insurance. You have to verify that. And and there's servicing companies that you can hire that can um, do the collecting and the escrowing of the taxes and the insurance from your buyer. Does that make sense? Right. Not in, I mean, I was going the lease option route is because I will still be on title. It'll still be my property until the person pays off. I was worried that if I go the seller financing route and if they stop making payments, especially because these are rough areas and they think, hey, you know what, I'm not going to pay. So then I don't want to go through the process of foreclosing it and getting it back and another beat up property. That was one of the reasons why I was worried about seller financing. But let me know if I'm, my thought process is wrong. Well, um, yeah, you do have to go through a foreclosure. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that's any harder than a, than a eviction. And I may be wrong. But a lot of times, nine times out of 10, you can get these people out by offering a cash for keys program, you know, saying, listen, I'll pay you a thousand bucks to leave. <laughs> or I can go through a foreclosure or go through an eviction and uh, you're going to have damaged credit. It's going to follow you forever. And um, let's just, you know, I'll pay you a thousand bucks to get your stuff and get out. And, and nine times out of 10, a cash for keys program works, right? right. Um, but we can we can talk about this later. Offline, if you want, Vance, sure, yeah, but, yeah. Um, something to think about. And I, I'm saying this for everybody out there also as well. Like when you've got the cheaper, lower end properties, think about owner financing instead of a lease option on the cheaper properties. Lease options, I think, you know, most of the time work better for the nicer ones. Maybe in the Midwest, homes priced a hundred thousand or more. Okay. Um, okay, so how many of these properties do you still have now? You still have three. We still have three. One is rented, but okay. the two are fixed up and listed with the realtor. Listed for sale or for rent? For sale. For so sale. As we said in that the we accept payments, so which we can come back to either lease options or seller financing or any of those strategies. Okay. What if you don't mind me asking these properties that are listed for sale now? What are you asking for? So right now, because the property has, I mean, the area has turned, and uh, on one pro on one property we are asking. I believe we started with seventy nine, and right now it's at sixty nine. We took it down to sixty nine. And the second property, again, we listed for 79. We dropped it out to, down to 75. We did find buyers. So that's another horror story. We did find a buyer for one of the property. They were, we, we, it was listed for 69 and we've got a buyer for 65, but the title company screwed it up. Really? Yeah, the title company found something on the title, which was even prior to the previous owner owning it before us. And they said that hasn't been closed. So we don't want to give you a clean title. So the Buyer tried to clean it up. She couldn't do it, so she backed off. But that was a good sale. We could have sold it for sixty-five and lost a little, or maybe broke even. To be honest. So, um, is that issue taken care of, or is it still clouding the title? Uh, it's it's not taken care of. But now we are. What we are trying to do is make sure that we tell the buyers that we'll only close with our title company, because when we try to file a title claim, that's when this company came back and said, you know what? Please don't file a claim we'll make sure this property sells because that title company the buyer was using was a different title company who didn't know what they were doing. You know, they just wanted to give a clean title. So did this 
claim on the title have anything to do with the previous company that you bought it from? Not even them. It's before them. Wow. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So let's talk about lessons learned, Vamsi. Um, what would you do differently next time? Like if you were looking, how could you have avoided this? Sure. So the first thing was I did not know how to run my numbers. When I listened to the you know podcast, I learned those things, but I didn't implement them. So what I didn't factor in was I did not factor in 10 to 12% for repairs. I did not factor in 8% for vacancy. I did not factor in 10% for property management, which I now do. Yeah. And of course, uh, insurance is something I did not factor in for mm -hmm. the property, like property insurance. Um, yeah, now I know how to run my numbers. So that any anytime one of my friends reaches out to me now that, hey, I see that you own 17 rentals now. Uh, I want to buy this rental. I tell them, you know what? Slow down. I, and I share them the link to bigger pockets, which has a breakdown of exactly how to run your numbers on rental properties. Yeah. And I say, I say, watch four or five of these videos. If you make sure that you get that message from five videos, you're listening to the same thing over and over again, it'll start registering. And after they run that deal, they come back to me and say, you know what, if I do what you're saying, I'm not able to buy any property. I said, that's the point. Don't buy them. <laughs> Oh, that's so good um, because most turnkey providers, now I'm not going to blast turnkey providers because there are really good ones out there. And I should say that there, there's only a few bad apples, um, but there are good turnkey providers out there. Um, you look at their numbers, you really need to look at their numbers with a grain of salt, whatever that means. But like you need to look at their numbers because nine times out of 10, um, there are going to be, their, their numbers are uh, unrealistic. You need to cut them in half or double them or whatever, like, because they don't include property management. They don't include vacancies or maintenance and repairs, future capital expenditures, um, the, the, the one or two months it's going to take to find a tenant. And then a lot of them don't even count property. If you're using a property manager, every time you find a new tenant, they charge you one month's rent as a fee, yep. right? That's a lot of money. Right. And so people don't, don't remember that. Um, so it's important that you know the numbers. So Bigger Pockets, I agree, they have a really good resources on Bigger Pockets' website for people that are looking to um, to buy, buy and hold properties that help you, like cash flow calculators and things like that. Um, so you said you have um, how many properties now? So right now we have fourteen rentals and three in Indianapolis. I don't even consider them as rentals because they are not. We are not getting any cash flow, but we are getting cash flow on the remaining fourteen, and all fourteen of them are in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, which, and they are they doing well they are doing well my brother is local and again we learned a lesson there too we partnered up with the property manager who were eating us up on they were nickel and diming us to death on those repairs yeah. the tenant turnover was eating up all the cash flow we are not losing money but we are not making money so now we because it's local we saw what's going on and now we switched to a different property manager so i would tell any newbies that the biggest asset you can have is not just your asset, but a good property management company. Because if their model is to charge you cheap for property management, but charge you a ton for rehabs and renovations, you can never win. Mm -hmm. So when we looked at our numbers, the bank, which we, these properties are financed at 70-30, we try not to leverage more than 30% of the you know purchase price. So the bank has 70% of their money. So they're taking the most money, I'm okay. It should be us, the second one, maybe the property manager, the third. But when we saw the cash flow at the end of the year, it was the bank, the property manager who had no money invested in the asset, 
just providing services, they were killing us and we were the last one. So yeah. now we switched that equation now. Very good. So you have somebody local in Columbus, Ohio that you trust. My brother, he's my partner. So yeah. And he helps you manage the property managers. Exactly. Yep. What would you what else would you have done differently? So another thing I would have done differently is I would definitely pay for a mentor or partner up with mentor who has done these transactions because uh, at first we just went with the turnkey company. Again, you can go with the turnkey company, uh, but even a better strategy is to partner up with somebody who already knows what the rentals are or pay a consulting fee to somebody who's an expert uh, and they can at least tell you, hey, this is a deal. This is not a deal. You need to look at this. You know, just pay like a fixed $50 or $100 uh, for maybe five, six properties. If somebody is even interested, because most people out there, as you know, in, re in the real estate space, they're ready to give knowledge for free. So, you don't, to be honest, you really don't even have to pay anybody. So when my friends reach out to me, I don't charge them anything. I just tell them that don't buy this property because you need, you're not factoring in these things, factor in and they don't buy it. So try to reach out to your friends and family first who have investments and only if they're making money, then get their recommendation. Nice. And you know, it's easy to find other landlords in that city who have property, isn't it? Exactly. And you can call them. Uh, would you buy properties in that, then those kinds of neighborhoods again? Never. We actually got a great deal. We got a prop package of eight properties for 150,000 and uh, similar areas. And one was a fourplex. They were ready to give it us for free, free. <laughs> we still didn't go for it because we didn't want to go through the same nightmare. Oh man. So what, what kind of areas are you looking for now? So right now I stay in the B, C, you know, in those areas, I try to stay closer to B, B minus areas or C plus areas. So what I'm, what we are again trying to do is make sure that in our portfolio, we are at maybe 60, 40 equation where 60% is in the B areas or 60 to 70% in the B areas and 30 to 40 in the C areas. But the series are only to get that cash flow to make sure we pay off these mortgages and all that stuff. But eventually we'll sell those off and switch up to a better area because we, we know now that it's not just cash flow. It's also appreciation, which you need. And the lease option strategies you teach is one of the best strategy to own a single family rental because you don't have to pay for any repairs yeah, yeah. if you find a tenant buyer. They're easier to manage. Um, okay. So, uh, give us an example of a class B or a class C property in the Midwest, right? So in Ohio or Indiana, what would a price, what would the price range be of a class B or class C? Sure. So if it's a B area, it's almost above 75 to 80, you know, I would say closer to hundred and above is a B area. Anything okay. below hundred up to, I would say, you know, 45, 50, between 50 and hundred, I would categorize at least me personally, I would categorize in Columbus and Indiana. 50 to 100 would be a C. Anything above 100 to 150 would be a B. One, or 180, even 180. Yeah, B. Yeah. But anything above 180, I think it'll be a B plus. I would never go into any property, a single family, which is more than 180 because your cash flow doesn't make sense at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. So then um, for... Uh, what would they rent for? What would a class C, you know, fifty to one hundred thousand dollar property rent for? Sure, that would be probably anywhere from six fifty to seven hundred. Uh, they could go up to eight hundred. It's a stretch, but you could get it. 
if you had a good property manager who can advertise like crazy and then get a better paying tenant, but there's no guarantee there might be tenant turnover because they are paying so high. Uh, B area, I would say, at least in Columbus, Ohio, I don't know about the entire Midwest, but in Columbus, Ohio, a B class area would be anything which would be, I would say 900 and above. Okay, good. All right, so what, what was the biggest lesson you take away from this, Vamsi? So the biggest, again, my lessons are not done yet. I'm still learning lessons on every screw up I do. Yeah, so my good. biggest lesson is just do it, learn it, either partner with somebody. So there's a cost of education. You either pay a mentor or you pay your partner to learn it or you screw up and then you pay more than what you would have paid these people to learn it. Yeah. I heard somebody say once, um, you think education is expensive. Try ignorance. Right. <laughs> That's an example. I, I know I've, I've spent a lot when, uh, um, I made a lot of mistakes and I'll talk about some of my bad deals as well on a future podcast. But, um, uh, I had some very, I went to some very expensive seminars back in 2009 and 10 with some, some of the properties that I bought that I shouldn't have bought. Um, okay, cool. So what, what advice would you give to somebody else listening to this Vamsi right now who wants to, you know, buy cash flow rental properties? What, what, what are some things you'd say to them? I would just say that don't be in dreamland like we were when we got started. Just try to understand the facts. Talk to your friends and family who have been investing in real estate, or if you don't have anybody who's done it, join the Facebook groups, you know, join a mentorship program, learn how things are done, understand the pitfalls and then invest. I know your money is not gonna run anywhere. You might be under stress that your property is not appreciating or making you money. But if you invest without having the right knowledge, you won't even see that money again. Yeah, So good. Vamsi, would you do me a favor? Uh, as soon as we're done here, would you send me some of the links of the resources on bigger pockets that you mentioned that you send to other people? Okay. And I will include them in the mind map. Sure. Um, for people to get. Would, would you mind doing that? Definitely. I don't mind at all. It's good. good um, and Vamsi, do you have a place uh, people can go to reach you um, or just find you on Facebook or Instagram or whatever? Yeah, right now I just have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. Uh, Amigo Vamsi is my ID there in Facebook. Uh, they can reach out to me, you know, and again, if they still want to talk about, I'm not going to tell them the name of the company or the turnkey company with Scooters because, you know, Again, you can focus on either the losses or you can just focus on it as a lesson, lessons learned, and then just move on. So Which is why why you're going to be very successful, Vamsi. Oh, thank I you. think you have a, a bright, awesome real estate investing future ahead of you. Don't mm -hmm. quit. Don't give up. No. Um, that's, that's awesome. Thing. Never give up because my wife gave up because she lost 25000 right away. But I, on the other hand, I said, okay, you take care of our home expenses. I'll take care of our investments and I'm not going to give up. And it, which is why we are up to 414 rentals now. And our goal is to get to at least a hundred rentals so we can get enough cash flow, which can pay off our monthly expenses and still have money left so we can invest more and just, you know, just keep building that portfolio. There's a good book I have called Building Wealth, One House at a Time. I heard about that. It's a really good book. I have it right here on the floor. <laughs> um, so Vamsi, cool. Uh, can you send again? Send me the the links that you talked about from Bigger Pockets. I know they have some really good resources there that are free. They have blog posts, forum posts, calculators, resources, and so if you could send me those links, I will put them in the mind map. And again, guys, if you want that mind map with the notes from this, the lessons learned, 
even uh, we'll eventually get into the mind map here into the notes, the transcripts of these podcasts. Text the word bad to 313131, B-A-D to 313131, or just go to joe slash bad, and uh, we will forward you the link to get the mind map or the PDF, whatever we have in here um, as we go through this. And my assistant, so if anybody watching this live now, you're not going to see the notes until my assistant goes through this video and adds them in here. And I'm going to add some in after we're done here. But um, Vamsi, I sure appreciate you being on the podcast here, taking the time to talk about your deals gone bad. Um, I want to wish you the best of success and uh, hope you do well. Let's keep in touch. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. And you're doing amazing things in the real estate space. No doubt about that. I first heard your talk in the Wholesaling Inc. Summit in 2018, October. Oh, yeah. The first time I heard you, I'm like, hey, I need to learn from him. But yeah. then I decided to stick to one path, focus on wholesaling, you know, cash sales, and then start adding other toolbox, tools to my toolkit, which is what I'm doing right now. Nice. Appreciate that. Mark Davis says here, always enjoy your stuff. Many thanks. Um, oh, we got a question for you. Sure. Real quick from Deb, did you buy a title policy when you bought the property the first time? And if you did, did that company have to clean it up? We did buy a title policy, which is why when we threatened them that we're going to file a title claim, which is when the title company came back to us and said, hey, please don't file a title claim. We'll help you. We'll make sure that these properties are sold. Okay. Yeah, they didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> right. Uh, Jonathan, hey, bad to the bone. Jonathan Rexford, he's my man. In fact, I got him. He, I'm going to be talking to him next, I think. He's got he's got lots of deals under his belt, and we're going to be talking about one of his bad ones. Chris Chico, my obnoxious best friend. Uh, when deals go bad, Joe McCall gets to the bottom of things. <laughs> um, whatever, Chris. Uh, good, we got John here from Tempe, Arizona. What's going on, Sudi? How are you? I just appreciate you guys putting in the comments in here, and uh, it lets me know that you are listening to the show and you like it. All right, Vomsi, thanks again. Appreciate thanks. It. Send me that stuff. I, yeah. And I'll put it in the mind map for you guys to get text the word bad to 313131. We will see you all later. Thanks again, Vamsi. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Bye.